Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the show today. We are in Austin, Texas. We have Jason Adam Miller returning. Hello, Jay. Hey. Would you like to introduce our guest whose home we're in right now? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Uh, here with our friend Scott Erickson. Um, Scott, actually, I don't know how you describe yourself. I think of you as an artist, a teacher, a performance artist, a pastor, and somebody who's kind of using your art to lead people into kind of a contemplative journey. Mm-hmm. So how, how's that? Yeah, uh, I would put in like tambourine dancer. Though. Excellent. That's like a new thing I'm trying Good. to develop. Yeah. Also so. karaoke host. I've seen you do that. <gasps> That's right. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I love karaoke. Scott's one of the people who uh, I think personally for me has really like uh, invigorated a sense of what can be created right now mm-hmm. for the church and for people who haven't found their way to her yet. And uh, um, our church, South and City Church, has had the joy of partnering with Scott on a couple of things, including some artwork and bringing your show Say Yes to South Bend, which was really profound. And I was just telling Luke on the way here that I have two friends who would, t- who would tell you that that night your show like was a turning point in their life towards some healing. Yeah, yeah you told me that. That's stuff. really humbling. Thank yeah. you. That's great. I mean, that's what I hope it's for. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I, like I, I've preached at SBCC. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say to me? I mean, I don't know. We can talk about it later. It's, just, it's, it's not about me. I'm just saying, like, I've. Oh, hi, Luke. Were you I've, here? I'm just saying, like, I've, I was there as well. Like, you didn't ask me to introduce you. You asked okay. me to introduce Scott. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, that's, that's, that's there. Yeah. And uh, you're a new Austinite. Six months here? Six months here. Yeah. yeah. So I only. I know Austin as a visitor from years past and then COVID Austin. So I don't know what, like, full throttle Austin looks like. I'm pretty sure it's just a bigger version of what I've seen, which is a lot of Bluetooth speakers and dogs. Um, Zoker. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even a Zoker. Everywhere I go, I'm like, the way that helps me think about Austin is like, it's kind of a mini music festival at all times. Uh, That's kind of how I think about it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And then when it's hot, you're just like, and a lot of like, uh, just like, butts and tits that's really what that's really what it is wow <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did i say butts and bros uh like well i went i got a paddle board to go like on town lake and stuff yeah and my wife's like what's it like out there and i was just like well, it's a lot of butts and bros just <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, a, and a lot of blunts as well like just wow. yeah so yeah. it's kind of like a mini music festival yeah yeah, at all times. yeah i didn't realize that you'd been coming to our sunday services yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I guess you've been well, sitting in the back. I come yeah. from Portland, which <laughs> is also trying to keep it weird. And it's mostly, you know, it's all of that, but clothed. So it's just a different kind of vibe. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. More layers. It's just, yeah. No, it's a hot place and it's in, embedded with nature. And I'm, I'm looking forward to knowing Austin uh, in its like full potential. So, yeah. Uh, you get th- three kids. Three kids. Oldest is uh, nine. Nine. And then you have a second grader. Yeah, fourth grader, second grader, and then a two and a half year old. Yes. Yeah, so, and we're in, this is the we're in my studio, which is it's a converted garage. I think that's what we figured out. It's like a garage in the back of the house. So, mm. but like, there's art all around us. Like, uh-huh. this is yeah, this is a lot of stuff I just took from my studio in the Portland area and and just started setting it up. And still has some things to do, but yeah, it's on its way. Yeah. Okay. Let me just jump right in. Like when. Whenever there's like a artist on the podcast, I always mm-hmm. feel like I don't know what to talk about because it's like <laughs> art. Like, how do you? So when you drew that, like, what was your? Why did you choose that color? Like, I feel like I, that's like the question I always regress to. Yeah, 
That's cool. So and, if I and do... the usual answer is like, so I was on Molly, and <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. and that's how they usually answer. Oh, they? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm sure you had like Michael W. Smith on. Or yeah, something. that's what he was saying. <laughs> he yeah. talked about it. I just yeah. wasn't sure if you were speaking and... for you, Scott. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, uh, no, I. My stuff's not in, influenced by drugs. Um, <laughs> You took a little long on that one. Well, I I wanted to be honest. I was yeah. like, maybe there could be some pieces. Uh, no, not, mm-hmm. that's not really it. That's not part of my process. Okay. Actually, my process is just like silence and sadness is usually my pro- <laughs> <laughs> it's usually my process. Okay. Silence, so, sad, solitude, and sadness. So you're my, an Enneagram four. I mean, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Which is weird because that's Jason's preaching process. Mm. <laughs> silence and sadness. It's not far and, off. So I mean, I, I, it's, it's kind of true. I mean, my, uh, I really just, I actually have it over there, uh, above the computer. It just says I was my friend, Kurt, who's a pastor in, um, Portland that the church I used to be at, he's great, but we were on a treadmill where we're at, we were at the gym one, working out. You're on one treadmill together. We were on one treadmill together. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing, it's kind of like rowing, but a lot closer. <laughs> and, uh, we, we were just talking about process and I was like, dude, I don't know. I just take dictation from the silence. And he's like, whoa, that's, you're going to be your biography title or something like that. So take dictation from the silence is, wow. is actually what I think is my job is a lot mm-hmm. of like listening and, yeah. uh, you could put the words like prayerful discernment and things, but I, yeah, I I have come uh, to understand that I'm invited to a certain kind of conversation or dance, and that and that is like, and now that's my vocation. Mm-hmm. At times, it hasn't been, but it was there. But I had to make money working at a nonprofit or a church or a design agency. But now those two have come together, and so um, I mean, there's definitely like a strategy for revenue and things like that. Yeah, but, but yeah, like I'm a kind of a contemplative creator and that is uh so i have to make time for that like it's part of my rhythm when you're taking dictation from the silence is that the same process whether you're writing uh like a a one-man show or a book or creating a piece like is it the same process or does each one have a unique uh facet of receiving the dictation from the silence yeah i think at least right now there's it's like i have a big catch-all net and i'll get certain things that I'm like, that's going to go to this, that's going to go to this, that's going to go to this. So I just use Evernote to kind of, of course. compartmentalize. Or uh, I'll have various like sketch pads and stuff. Especially when I'm working on a book, I'll usually just buy a sketch pad and that will be my like place for notes and then or drawings. And then I'll take Evernote into that. And then when it's coming to the process, I kind of lay it all out and put it together. So I like the analog digital. It's not just like dictating into my phone it's also like oh writing it out drawing it out this is what i see and so i kind of keep them in those kinds of categories but uh yeah i think this is good i don't know if i've ever had to explain this to anybody but like yeah i have i have a few other book ideas that are just slowly in the works uh i have a next show that i'm slowly compiling together i don't i couldn't it's like really early so it's just like a number of things that i'm i'm seeing i'm paying attention to and then I want to do some other kind of art shows for communities. Uh, like I'm, I'm working on a Stations of the Resurrection because there's mm. the Stations of the Cross. And then it's like we get done and then I got to take the art down. So I was like, well, it would be awesome to like replace it with something that we could go through. Wow. And so, I'm, uh, wow. so I've been working on that for – I wanted to get it done last year, but it didn't work out. And it was COVID. Yeah, so, no, like, no, no one was going to be there anyway. Yeah, so it didn't matter. So I, that's – 
that's a, like a notebook that I've been working on. So I'll, I had, a, you know, we're going to talk about this book. I have another book that's due at the end of the year, uh, at least part of it. And then, so I'll probably pick up that in January. Hmm. Yeah. The stations of the resurrection. Ah. So I kind of like see like, here's these different things I want to solve. Like I want to try to image the Lord's prayer um, because I think it'd be helpful and it would make some money. uh, I just kind of think of like, what are these things that, uh, you know, people of faith are using uh, or have been a part of their journey. And I want to give an image or a symbol set to that Mm -hmm. as like a companion on that journey. And that, that is kind of where I've solidified my work is like, I'm trying to create this visual vocabulary to go alongside your spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go back to listening to the silence, but you have done something on the Lord's prayer already. A a book that was like a, yeah. A meditation with McRoberts. Justin McRoberts. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, our first book was just called Prayer, 40 Days of Practice, but he had written these 41 sentence prayers. And he said, he came, we, we became friends and he's like, what would, what if you made like an image, which each one of these sentences, and we had some ideas about prayer that, um, cause we have friends who are, you know, have been people of faith their whole life. And then people who have no kind of faith tradition, but have come to us and been like, I really feel inclined to pray. Like, how do I do that? And so we started discussing what, where we thought, like where we thought there was a gap in the literature um, for prayer, which was really like prayer books are typically like, here's six paragraphs, read it every day, you know? And, and it's like telling you what to pray. And we were really convinced that prayer isn't, the words or the images that prayer is actually this inner conversation that's going on inside of you. The words and the images help excavate that out. Yeah. Um, and so the real con like, so when we pitched, when we were like talking to that was penguin, uh, Waterbrook Multnomah, we were like, Publishers. Publishers. We were... We I was were, talking to a penguin. Yeah, I was talking to a penguin. Going back to Molly. And he was dancing. He had this happy feet um, <laughs> that was working. And he... Uh, but we were saying, like, this isn't a book of content. This is a book of excavation tools. The content mm. is you. Like, we can't tell you what the content is. It's already in you. So, But we want to help you excavate that out. And... Uh, they hated that. Because uh, they're like, give us... Yeah, because they... How do we sell this? Like, how do we like, package that? What's your four secrets to the prayer life you want? Yeah, they didn't like, want that. We don't have that. <laughs> I get the concept of using words to help me pray. That comes naturally to me. Yeah. Because of, like, my orientation to the world. When you when you give us images, mm-hmm. which, uh, obviously, that's, that's the heart of your work. Not the heart, but it's a major facet of it. Yeah. I don't naturally understand how images help me pray. If I was to try to explain how this image helps me pray, it almost seems like I don't even know where to start. Yeah. I would, I mean, I would say in that partnership, the words can help you a little along the way. There's, it's, it's kind of like a little touchstone or keystone to that. Uh, And my stuff is not like, it's not like I just drew like a magnolia and I'm like, go (laughs) for it, you know, but my stuff has like a tweak or an oddity in there. It's like juxtaposing two things together. Uh, like a friend was telling me one that he really loves where it's just like these paper planes coming down and then there's a fan and then they're like going back up and it was something about supporting one another or something. Mm -hmm. So it's this like idea of like, it's really Bette Midler, the wind beneath my wings is really (laughs) what it is, where that came from. But it, it, (laughs) it adds, yeah, I think what it does, like a great question about art is what does it, what does this mean? A, 
and that's a fine question. A, a, another question that art allows is what is this pulling out of me? What is this excavating out of me? Yeah. I, I, I'll use an example with music where I'll say, have you ever been in the car and a, like a song comes on the radio, if you still listen to the radio, and the song comes on the radio and you're like, oh, this is my song and you turn it up. It's like, what's happening there? What you're saying is sonically and lyrically, this artist figured out how to depict what it feels like to be in my skin. And I can now use this to get in touch with that deeper conversation. That's why I want to sing it. Wow. It's because it's like, it's my song too. And so the song helps excavate that true thing, mm-hmm. that true conversation that, yeah. that's in there. And I, I think visuals can do that. I think poetry does that. I think words can do that too. I think we get really familiar with words. So sometimes, unless we engage it really slowly, we can just kind of... Uh, like pass over like the real work that it can do. So yeah. I think I think these other art forms allow for the slowness and allow for the excavation. I, I love your uh, description of the way that a song becomes like that, that's my song. You're that's singing song. it, but it's my experience as well. Yeah, and like I'm looking right over your shoulder at the the Banksy. You've got yep. a of the uh, protester and Banksy's is it flowers in his hand? Yes, yeah, flowers in his hand. And so really like okay. it's it, like obviously he's got a lot of this like resistance stuff that he's done. Uh-huh. Um, Palestine, Israel, that area, and you look at it and you go, "Oh wow, that's like he's expressing like this picture of you know peace and you know this this alternative response mm-hmm. to conflict that it represents what what I feel like I'm called to to yeah. to see the world through." Yeah, and so th- that's what we're trying like that's excavating what's already in me, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So you brought your own story to that image, although we don't know who Banksy is or what his thing was. You you're like that resonates with me because I see myself. A- that symbolizes how I feel in the world or that. Yeah, yeah. And, then you, and then all of a sudden you, it's illuminating your own story and it's helping you get in touch with like, yeah, that's my d- desire, that's my want, that's my love, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, Great. Um, Great. I know you and I've talked about this before, Scott, but um, like, like Luke, like I, I'm verbal. Like I, I like words, but uh-huh. I get really analytical. Okay, hold on. I got to jump in here. We were <laughs> once at the Chicago... The Art Museum? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... There's this great beautiful museum. piece. It's massive. Yeah. And I've got this great picture and it's like Jay looking, reading the description next to it and he's not even looking at the piece and there's this <laughs> beautiful piece of art and then Jay's like, let me read the words to describe uh, this. How am I supposed to feel here? Well, that's exactly where I'm going. Okay. It's exactly that because like I, um, when I go to the Art Institute, most of the time my, my discipline is to sit with the image for a while before mm-hmm. I go and get the right, an- the interpretation, the right answer because yeah. like, especially yeah. if, if things are like more abstract, it's like, yeah, I have no no frame of reference for this thing in front of me, yeah. but I'm trying to learn to like, not that it's bad to like read the background and do all that stuff, but mm-hmm. to like sit sort of like unmediated, like me in this image and just let it work on me a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I think you and I might have talked about this when you were in South Bend, but uh, I had I heard Makoto Fujimura, who's a, a painter uh-huh. who makes really stunning pieces, and he told me you should give yourself 20 minutes in front of an image 20 minutes before you move on or look away or like just to let it begin to like open something up to you. That's kind. <laughs> well, I, why do you say that's kind? Cause not everything deserves your attention. No, no, not, not everything. So if, if I would say if something catches your attention, then yeah, give it 20. Yeah. Minutes. Fair. Like, sit with it a long time. But I, I don't know about you, but I, I just know the way I live my life. Like that was really helpful for me because mm. a lot of things that are worth my attention don't get my attention. Yeah. And, like, I'm not talking about anything anywhere, but I mean, like, yeah. uh, if I find an artist who, like, whose work I want to appreciate or something like that. But th- this is a long way of saying, like, 
I feel like a lot of people um, know what to do with like a a book about like faith or prayer or theology or Christmas or whatever. They know what to do with like a written devotional. They know what yeah. to do with words. But like I think um, a lot of people like don't know what to do with an image. Just because, like, if, especially if you've been like trained in some of the church spaces that we grew up in, like Protestant yeah. church spaces, where like our roots go back to a time when images were considered like sin. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, the Puritan yeah. thing, like the icons and all that stuff, like yeah. in church history, where like we have some roots that like it's like in our, in our stream to like mm-hmm. not only not know what to do, but almost to be suspicious of some of this stuff. So, like, like what, what do you say to some, I mean, you've already said some, what do you say to somebody if they're like, what do I, what do I do with? with a, a piece that you've created oh if, well p- move on if it doesn't capture capture your attention i i mean like that that rule has come to me because i used to go look at art a lot like uh when i lived i grew up in seattle so like they would have these like art like first fridays or first thursdays and like this part of seattle that doesn't exist anymore but they used to have all these like uh artist studios and you could like walk through there's this one building that was like five stories of art studios there's just you know almost thousands of pieces and i just learned to just like walk fast yeah yeah until yeah. i found something and then be like whoa what's happening here and that that just is like a rule i gave myself like it's okay to it's okay yeah, to pass good, through all good. this stuff and well, i also think at galleries um if you're not so, especially when you get into like the more modern stuff, um, it's much more conceptual, and there's these like movements going on and these conversations that they don't make obvious. So you might walk in a room, and there just might be like a giant painting with a triangle and a circle on it, and you're like, "Wow, <laughs> I learned that when I was two, you know." <laughs> but like that artist, I'm trying to think of who the artist was. It's not. Um, yeah. Oh, the circle and the triangle. Yeah, the circle and the triangle, yeah, the triangle artist. Yeah. That artist was like being a, was in a conversation with like the art world or in something and that was their expression or adding to that. So if you're if you're left out of the conversation, you're just like, I don't know, it looks like play things. You know, that yeah. that's a common thing where people are like, I can make that. And <laughs> really they can't. But it's uh it looks simple, but it it's actually part of this larger thing. Can can you like boil that down to though like the resources you're giving us in this book and how obviously we're not walking through every one of them like the rep, the I guess the prescription for honest advent it's like a, it's a daily kind of it's 25 days yeah. yeah so if you start December 1st to the 25th so we're not like whatever. skipping like hey I'm going to go to day 6 cuz day 4 and 2 suck you know like you're you're reading each one you can I I just I laid it out purposefully like the first one is just annunciation so it's like what happens when uh like something new is going to come mm-hmm. into your life and it change and do you really want that cuz what is it going to change you know and then yeah. it 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 goes it 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 starts early on through like inception and beginnings and then it and then like later on it's like and it's coming and it's coming out and there's this and then yeah. and then there's this symbiotic relationship so it's going through a flow but uh the way that i frame the images in honest advent i just say like spend at least like two, just like two minutes with it just like just kind of sit with it and see what comes up and then read the passage and then come back to it um my goal with those images though is like a much larger idea which is uh the brand of christmas is a juggernaut that we can't do anything about anymore it's just built on tradition year after year after year after year and i found myself deeply 
not disappointed, but I found that it, it, it felt like it just didn't have any relevance anymore to, yeah. the, to the world I find myself in. You talk about uh, it's more nostalgia than essence. Yeah, like, and I'm using that from the prayer books that Justin framed in a really great way. He said, uh, often where we get tripped up in prayer is we confuse our mechanics for the essence, like, mm-hmm. you know, our structures of praying. And, we, and really that structure is there to help us get to the thing. And so the mechanics uh, of Christmas often are just nostalgia. It's like, we, we've always done this and this is how we do it. And that's fine. Like, we shouldn't recreate the wheel every single year. I think, though, like that some of us, and I talk, talking with some people today, have just become exhausted or find those mechanics have just worn out. And, and really, it's left us with no wonder. Um, no wonder we're tired of Christmas. No wonder. There's no um, wonder. Yeah. yeah. And so I wanted to sidestep that whole conversation and just make something that looked nothing like Christmas. That So it doesn't even evoke like, oh, wait. There's no snow or, you know, which is like, it's, it's, it's not until you go to a country that doesn't celebrate Christmas, you don't really understand like, oh, this is just a very particular thing. Like even I was on this interview with a guy from New Zealand and he goes, yeah, in New Zealand, Christmas is summertime. It's hot. We're swimming at the beach. And yet, what do we do? We put up fir trees in our house. We hang fake icicles (laughs) icicles <laughs> that are made of plastic yeah. around and he's like actually now people are like what are we doing this is stupid this, we, is, this is not what yeah. christmas is for us yeah. you know there's this like <laughs> it's there's this super influential brand that's you know north america northern hemisphere that uh, look and that and that's fine i mean that's where i grew up so i have had many white christmases it's great yeah. but uh i for me to uh, to to come to the story with different eyes i had to like sidestep all of that and I had to, for me as an artist, I needed to create a new visual language that helped me get there. That's, yeah. That was what I was doing yeah. with that. So you've got, um, uh, you've got uh, like one of the images that like is super evocative to me is one that you adapt, which is uh, Mary and Eve. Yeah. Uh, would you mind like just telling us a little bit about that image? Yeah. So the image is originally from Sister Grace Remington, who's a sister in... Mississippi or Missouri? I always get it. It's a miss. Uh, I always mess it up. <laughs> but I have her blessing, um, and she she digs the image. She really likes it. Uh, but I witnessed this. My friends had this like postcard in their bathroom. They live in Atlanta, and I when I saw it for the first time, I was like, "What is this picture?" So it's m- pregnant Mary holding Eve's face with one hand and grabbing her other hand and putting it on her belly, and Eve has just this like kind of distraught but hopeful and sad and i can't believe this is happening kind of thing and then uh eve has a snake wrapped around her foot and then it and then mary's like stepping on the head mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of uh like interesting theological ideas and but when i saw it uh what hit me the most was just like wow here are two moms that both lost their kids too early Mm. you know like if let's just say uh let's just imagine that eve is even a literal story (laughs) and then what 75 percent of your audience tuned out right now uh no (laughs) they're 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 praying for you there's a new image that they have i mean the story immediately falls apart when they her boys start having kids you're like well who did they have kids (laughs) you know it's like it's already it can't be that but 
if Eve is at least embodying like just kind of motherhood in that, like there is, I, I, I don't know. I like the way that I write that essay or the meditation is like, sure. They're both like in the, they're like, Oh, we're both in the Bible. That's cool. We have like a billion mutual friends. That's great. But then I think we're like, people usually connect as you get to know one another is like usually through like your pain or your wound. Yeah. And, and for moms to have lost a child um, is devastating. I know women who have had, I've know, I know three women who've had stillborns, which is the worst. And, uh, I've known, I know other people who've lost their kids while they're really young. I've met older people who've lost their kids when they were, you know, in like their twenties or teens and stuff. And it is, it is, it is awful. And I, uh, yeah, just, I think for me just to go, you know, like we can tell all these stories about these movements and women and what it was all doing and stuff. But, but these incarnations were very personal to them. And, uh, and I being married and live with a woman, I know that the lives of our kids are very personal to my wife too. And so I just, I really wanted to like, there's a couple things that of, of why I wanted to like, okay, let me step back. Like when we were pitching this around to publishers, one publisher was like, why is this like guy talking about pregnancy? Yeah. <laughs> like what, you know, what is he trying to do? And I was like, I get it. I'm not trying to take the voice of any woman who, from, from her perspective, but I have witnessed from the side, uh, pregnancy and birth and I'm a father. And I think also there is a patriarchal, a framing of women's experiences throughout religion and it has diminished it. And, and, you know, even from like the old Testament, which is where God's like, I know I made you have a period, but I'm going to have to make you go outside the camp for a while, <laughs> you know, like to, to this kind of like, you're not at, you don't have the same authority as us. So we're not going to allow you to speak or teach. And then even in the culture I grew up was, is like, you're too sexy. I can't ride in a car with you. I can't ride in an elevator with you, or I'm going to have to have sex with you. So let's not do that anymore. You know, and there has been this like, historical diminishing of the female female biology and in my humble simple way i just wanted to go no like there is this very sacred thing happening in through female biology through motherhood and i wanted to give like honor to it especially the honor to this like secret conversations of moms who have to take the risk of bringing life into the world and they may lose that life too early. And that is a particular pain I will never know and understand. But I can, I can see and I can empathize and go, I see, I see that that's a thing. I, I won't know what your secret conversation is. I will not know. But I, I can see that that happens. And it, I, yeah. Yeah. And you can make space for that knowing yeah. that it, that that's, it's meaningful. And it's yeah. part of the Christmas experience yeah. is for us to go, okay, even as men, we're going, this is really a story about a teenage unwed mother mm-hmm. giving birth to a child that soon had to flee the country because the person in charge tried to kill him. You yeah. know, and so there's like there's a Christmas, there's a large, there's a large facet of Christmas that the people who often describe it will never experience because yeah. unfortunately, like most pastors are men, and they're the ones who are preaching the sermons about it in churches, and they're the ones who you know, like obviously right now there's three of us. So again, <laughs> you wrote the book, so you're screwing it up. I'm just here like 
encouraging people to buy the book. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like a second. No, we don't have to bring. I don't need to call Holly over. I mean, she she would never want to. But you know, like yeah, no. I we uh, I mean we have. Are you're married? Yes. I, I, do you have any children? Yes. Between the three of us, we have six kids. Okay, perfect. You have three, and I have three. In this country, we know we know about you, Jason. Uh, so. Lucas traveled overseas with me. So. Yeah, but Jason's an uncle and in friends with you know mm-hmm. he's been there. Yeah, we like. I think that just as you get older, I think that's the weird thing about getting older too is, is you you always I don't know I don't know what age you feel like, but the, the weird thing about getting older is you kind of always feel like you're 14 inside, and your body lets you know that you're not. Like I last yeah. time I was at the beach with my kids, somebody was like, "Hey, is that your dad?" And I was like, yeah, "I have a dad bod. It's very obvious now," but. But I still feel pretty yeah. young and rascally. Um, but <laughs> but I think like what's what's weird about getting older is then when these like large responsibilities, not just even childbearing, but like you know financial or occupational or something, you're like, oh wow, wow, like this is what being an adult is, you know. And yeah. especially when it comes to like losing or gaining and. Um, and when we're talking about human life, like that's a that's a huge gamble, a huge risk, and it. Um, I think we've all experienced that, like in some kind of way, so we can understand like what an immense, like this young girl. I mean, at the time, like it wasn't that abnormal to be pregnant at that time. I guess I don't, I'm not it's, history wasn't my major, but <laughs> from what I've gathered, but yeah, like it's still it's still a thing. It's still a thing we can go that. You know, they didn't have like a, you know birthday brunch before they went and had the baby induced you know they, yeah, they, they didn't do anything like that. i didn't read the part about their baby shower or <laughs> or a diaper cake which i assume someone had to give mary a diaper cake because i don't or, or a gender reveal that set the forest on fire <laughs> yeah yes that's that's actually it yeah but <laughs> there's a part of the birthing experience that is that truly is um awesome and like the old sense of the word like it creates awe and wonder and you go oh like wow this is really a new human being has been birthed out of another human being like that is just an amazing component to it and christmas i feel like is always drawing us to wonder and and you talk about in the book the idea that it's kind of we've lost the ability to have wonder in this christmas experience and I had someone on the podcast who wrote a book called uh, The Wonder Switch. His name's Harris III. He's a, uh, a magician, illusion? What, I don't know. What... Oh, yeah. I saw his book on a, a list. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, Interesting. So he was, yeah. on the, like, he was on the podcast, and I was, this is like, this is how the podcast with you is going to end. I'm going to ask you to draw me a picture. Because he's, a, and I was like, hey, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I hate I'm going to do this. But, like, Which makes him... for great radio or I know. But I'm, I made him do a magic trick for me. Like he twists his hand around. Oh, wow. And I was like, how did, and, and so he finished, and he goes, what are you thinking right now? Are you thinking, wow, are you just like wondering? Are you asking, how did you do that? Give me the details. And I was like, I kind of want the details. And like, I don't want to sit and just be amazed. I want to like break it down. And it seems like the Christmas story like has this going, let me just explain this rationally and logically. It seems like art is a way to go. No, no, no. You don't have to explain this. You don't have to like get all the details on how like this piece was created. It just sit in this. Yeah. Well, I think, Birth is, uh, it's one of many moments where you witness the enchantment of being alive. Like you could, you could, we've all had junior high biology and, you know, pretty familiar things. You can, you can, you can, you can just go on YouTube and watch 
my birth and you'll find <laughs> videos if you want to see it. You can you can know what's happening and describe it, but there is something when a new human comes out, it's some kind of snap, crack, breaking of some kind where you're it and it like I remember when my daughter came out, it just it's like she came out and then we looked my wife and I looked at each other, we just both birthed burst into tears like there's there's something that just like happens you're like i know what happened but i also don't know what just happened uh maybe maybe less impactful is like a sunset like you could go why does everybody go look at a sunset you're like it's just a star going below the horizon and the light is refracting off our atmosphere and causing a prism effect and making the color spectrum you know you're like okay that's what's happening but then you're like yeah but it's really beautiful and i (laughs) like what so there's, I know how to describe it, but there's also something that's happening that I don't know how to describe. And I think what we're trying to get, what we, when we desire the wonder is like, I, I don't want to just know what's happening because I can describe what's happening. I want to see, I want to experience that thing that I don't know quite how to describe of what's happening. And, uh, and I think for for me like honest advent isn't just all about birth it is it's about uh i think for me what i started to look through is going uh god or the divine participated in human uh vulnerability it like god incarnated through human vulnerability and so where we find god still in our midst is through human vulnerability it's through like the places we feel weak or not enough. Uh, it's in the places like our broken family dynamics or uh, like where we feel like we don't maybe have agency and decisions on how things are happening. Like God is that. And, and as I started like meditating and looking at that and because my deepest desire was just like, well, did Jesus come once or is he still coming now? You know, yeah. like is, is Jesus still incarnating into our midst or is this just like something we celebrated that happened a long time ago but isn't relevant anymore yeah because that's what hit me a few years ago very similar time as now which was the end of a exhausting political cycle election uh it was syria civil war it was uh zika flint water crisis multiple mass shootings and then it was like mid-november and i walked into a target and it was like oh yeah christmas and it just felt so irrelevant to the world and my deepest prayer was just like are you irrelevant? Is your coming irrelevant to this world? Like this one now, are you still coming in the midst and where can I find you? Yeah. That's, and that's where I wanted, that's what I was trying to get a hold of myself. I wasn't like, this would be a great book idea. You know, I was just like, will my faith go away or will, you know, will I find you in the midst of this? And that's what I was trying to find. And what I was finding is just like, just like, uh, what gave me wonder was finding how much risk and vulnerability Christ was willing to and is willing to partake in, just like we are, you know, just like we're asked to do. So it's not just all like, just look to, you know, sometimes there's this thing in Christianity or religion where it's just like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I agree, except I feel like, I don't know what your projection of Jesus is. And that just sounds like product placement, you know, just Jesus, Jesus, and that's the answer. I, I really think like Jesus helps illuminate our own life. We don't dismiss our experience because, well, Jesus had an experience. Like Jesus is, a, is alongside, he is the sympathetic priest. You know, he's like, I, I, I know what it's like to be you. And so in, in our own struggle, we find Christ right alongside us. And, and it's that, that's what I'm infinitely interested in. Yeah, you, you tell a story about uh, 
uh, you're at like a Home Depot or something. Yeah. And you're you're at a tough spot. Like just yeah. life is one of the lowest moments of my life. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, a tough spot, lowest moment of your life. You know. But you're a four, so we've already clarified you have a lot of those. <sighs> that was also like 30 minutes ago. That's also <laughs> earlier today when I lost my phone at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> 30 minutes ago when Luke and I showed up. Yeah, I must say we arrived at that point, so that's that's pretty cool. So it was your lowest moment of your life for that day. And uh, no, you, it literally was your tough spot. And, I was unemployed and uh, yeah, and I didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah which yeah, is yeah. worse than when Jay and I show up. So yeah, exactly. just slightly, just a little bit. But uh, you're there. You have this moment where someone shows up who yep. you you kind of know. You kind of know, mm-hmm. and he has this like prayer, like word thing for you. Yeah. And the the end of the story is that he had nothing to buy at the store. He just felt compelled. You yeah, know, he was driving by and he sensed the spirit said, "Go and just wait." Just wait. Yeah. And in that moment, it's at almost through his vulnerability uh-huh. that the realization that the God who we call Emmanuel, God with us, is with you. Yeah. It's like, it's like I could describe to you what happened, but there's this other aspect of it. It was like, what was happening there? Like, yeah. to consider all of that. Like, um, my last s or meditation is saying that be not afraid could be a legit substitute for merry christmas Mm -hmm. because the way that all of this started was by angelic messengers going don't be afraid don't be afraid don't be afraid multiple times and and like why what is the fear and i was like maybe maybe it's because like and i talk about like the the glory of the lord shine around them it's like it could be a massive laser light show i don't know or maybe it's just like the weight of revelation yes. and, and, and like maybe the weight of revelation in that moment was like, actually God's real, that there actually is a larger world than all of this. And like what you're, what you find yourself in is in the ashes of your small conclusions mm-hmm. and, and not knowing where to go. And that's very frightening when all your conclusions you find out were, were small and, and short-sighted. And I, 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 so it's, it's like that moment I could like, maybe that guy Cameron was just really good at encouraging friends, you know, but also like in that moment, what, like my biggest concern was like, how am I going to pay my bills? Is there a providence? Is there a provider? And in that moment, the provider was like, I see where you're at and there's a deeper conversation that you need to ask, which is not how am I going to pay my bills? But like, do you still believe in your vocation? Mm. No. And that means that, like, the divine is paying attention to my life. Yeah. And that's what was shocking about that moment is just going, oh, I, I thought you were concerned with politics more than, you know. <laughs> but you're, you've been paying attention? Okay. Mm. You know, and that is the weight of the glory that mm. shone around me in Home Depot is that paying attention. Yeah. I, uh, the whole time you're talking, Scott, I keep thinking about like the the pathology of the, of the season, like you were talking about, like Christmas oh, yeah. season. Mm-hmm. And like a few years ago, uh, I went through a season where specifically I, I got really concerned. I just felt like a bunch of conversations all lined up mm. to help me think about how what we do in church is like complicit in some of the despair mm. that rises up during the season. You know, mm. uh, we have an EMT firefighter to church and. You know, one day I just walked up at church and just said, hey, how's, how's work? How are you? Because I know there's always some trauma in that work. And he just kind of shrugged. He's like, well, you know, it's holiday season. 
And I said, I have no idea what that means. And he just said, just more overdoses and everything. Just we get worse calls during the holiday season. So wow. anyway, that was one thing. But I had all these conversations around church space. Like, hmm. some, some, oh my gosh, oh no, what just Scott's chair almost just it, gave way. Granted, I did get this chair off somebody's front yard as they were giving it away. <laughs> that was amazing. I leaned back and I okay, sorry. That's it's, right. It's sturdy so, still. I'm terrified. I, I don't know if anyone else is, but I was terrified by that. So I feel like sometimes the season, like at least for some some of us, like it almost creates. Like, this season has to feel special. It's supposed to feel special. Yeah. So then we, like, then we, I think a lot of us have this deep anxiety that we haven't named, which is, but what if God isn't there? What, like, what? Yeah. So then we, like, generate all this frenetic stuff. And it feels to me a little bit like, um, like the image that came to mind while you were talking was like, that maybe we inadvertently sort of push one another into this mode during the season. That's like a rock skipping across the water. Mm-hmm. And it's like, trying to go as fast as possible and like stay bright and happy and joyful. But like actually the best thing that could happen is if the rock stopped and sank to the bottom Mm. and like, like a lot of like the wonder stuff I feel like ends up in a should. Yeah. We should have so much wonder. Like look how great God is. And I feel like you're doing something very different than that. Hmm. Like you're, you're, you're inviting us into it, but I don't feel like you're trying to ask me to like generate wonder. Like, I don't feel like you're asking me to like try to, um, manufacture something that like I can be proud of at the end of the season but I feel like some of these meditations and images like because so many of the images are so um, normal yeah yeah you know? and that it, what it says to me it, it actually like it's the opposite of like some of the religious stuff that I'll meditate on and there's room for like transcendent images mm-hmm. and all for that thing but I love that you're um like the Staples lady. Yeah. You know, like you got an image. It's just clearly a, a woman who works at Staples. Yeah. The older woman, right? Or the, yeah. the one with, um, there's the one with the, the woman who's, I mean, it's not scandalous, I don't think, but she's naked and she's, yeah. you know, she's very pregnant. Uh-huh. And, um, and it's just incredibly normal. Yeah. And that one's a, that, that meditation's on what is, it's called sacred. It's like what makes something, what, what makes something sacred. And that is, some people are like, oh, she's giving birth. And it's actually, it's just, it's totally my wife one morning just being like, that's all. Oh, yeah, my it back, looks to me like she's just, my back hurts so bad. She's worn out you know? <laughs> carrying this baby. Yeah, like, because yeah. it hurts. It hurts for the moms. It's, it's, a, it's, it's wonderful, but it's, it hurts their body a lot. And, um, and that one specifically was, I, uh, I start by talking about, I lived in France for a bit and I lived by a cathedral and I, and that really transformed me in like going, Oh, there's actually this long history of imaging these stories. Um, but I, it, 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 I was like, what, what makes something sacred? Like something happened that was revelatory or transformed us. And we want to give it honor. We want to, we want to like put it aside. And so we do that and we usually add some gold leaf or, you know, maybe clean it up, forget some of the weirder details and like, Oh, that cause that, cause what was the core of what happened there? And, and I was like, and I understand that. I just think, though, when we do that, we, we're taking baby steps from dismissing ourselves as partakers in sacred acts as well. Because we go, well, look at them. They don't have, the, you know, their lives, you know, they didn't have, I didn't think about all the laundry Mary had to do. You know, or like we get, we're, we're very caught up in like the, we've, we're very aware of like the responsibilities and the fallacies and, or like the, 
the creaky knees and the inadequate, I don't know. I'm trying to think of all the verbs. Like, uh, just like all the things that we go, my life isn't sacred because I farted like five times today. And sacred moments don't happen with farts. That actually was the sound you just heard. It wasn't the chair. (laughs) You know, but like, uh, it's, I don't say this in the book, but I'm just like, look, the the Pope has had diarrhea and Mother Teresa had a monthly period. Like it's like sacredness is not dismissive of biology. Like a sacred moment is going to come through your biological life. And the moment we begin to like dismiss that one's specifically about like going like, like honor the body that you're in. Like it's, it's going to come through like the sacred moments happen through your body. Like they did with Mary, like they did with Jesus. It, it happens through our bodies. And, and we're not, when we, like, those stories weren't people who didn't have no cellulite on their bodies. Or, yeah. you know, it's rare that men say cellulite, but I know that's a common phrase in female um, I believe, from my understanding of biology, cellulite is in male and female bodies. It is, but I never, I had never heard a guy just being like, trying to get rid of that cellulite right now. <laughs> like, well, you haven't talked to Luke very much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. <clears throat> I do, I mean, I think, I, there's a, you're, I think you're right about the, um, that the, there's this like I need to be I need to experience wonder I need to be like cheery about this but I think what one of the hardest dynamics is like this is a holiday that's like let's get together with families and that can be really tricky yeah um, yeah and then and then just all this hype of like what I'm supposed to do what it should be like instead of um, I don't know if I offer any <laughs> you say I do I'm not sure I offer any of that I'm just trying to go like yeah, I feel all those expectations. I want to just look at the risk and vulnerability. There's one essay that's about, like, it's about the phrase that there's no room in the inn. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that specifically for, like, friends who find themselves of a different orientation Mm -hmm. who I know have been left out of family reunions. And Um. and just, and and I, and and it doesn't, you don't have to be queer to understand that essay because I think we all have gone back to where we came from and sat around a dinner table and be like, I've really evolved from this place and I don't even know if I know how to talk to my relatives anymore, you know, and that is a weird alienation about being in a family. And I think my invitation is to go like, uh, God provided a a room and God will provide a room for you. Mm. God provided a room for incarnation and that will happen to you. And one of the ways that we can find wonder in this is that, I say Jesus and Mary and no lines Joseph because he has no lines in any of the pageants <laughs> is, is that they all know what it's like I to be that. in a complicated family dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Just like you're in. Yeah. So it's not a story outside of your experience. It's actually a story that speaks to your experience. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. I think just yeah. Like, yeah, you're, and then you're, and then you're not just um, telling us that, but you're like giving us a little space with these images to just yeah. kind of like find our own version of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is like like so our you know our church is going to work with some of these images through Advent and mm-hmm. like I'm, as jazz, a, I'm giving jazz hands yeah you can't see that I mean personally like I actually was telling Luke like I've not read the book yet because I don't want to until Advent like I, I actually want to like I read the intro yeah uh, to not sound like an idiot today well I don't know if that helped <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know if reading intros can help with that but <laughs> yeah but I uh, it's a good intro but I'm personally really really like looking forward to it and like as a pastor I'm also like. Like, you know, we talk a lot of like, what do, you, what do you do? It's another year of the holidays and what are you going to yeah. preach and what are you going to do? And I'm like, yeah, I'll, we'll try to figure out some good sermons, but 
like I'm actually way more interested and excited in just us as a, as a community, just kind of like putting these images in front of us and seeing what they evoke, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it's helpful that the energy I feel in, in your work isn't like, like you're trying to manufacture something in us, but like you said, that you're just sort of like creating some space for whatever's in there to come out. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think there's a lot of, there are some that are just like, just questions. A lot of it. Uh, Name drop science, Mike. Um, He, uh, no, I think he, he had a great, his, his endorsement was just like, Scott's not trying to answer mystery for us. He's just trying to invite us into it. Yeah. That's, and I, I was like, that's exactly it. I'm not, I'm just going, maybe this is a lot more mysterious than what we thought it was, or we figured it out. Year yeah. after year, we figured it out and go, well, did I? Did I figure it out? And, and uh, trying to do that. It, yeah. it all started from my own desire to be transformed as well, you know, which is what good art is, is the artist yep. has to go through the transformation themselves. Yeah, I, And I, then after that process, or while still in it, goes, hey, this has been working for me. You want to, you should come and do it too yeah i think in so many ways talked about you know good art is uh, the human heart in conflict within itself Mm. and like that's that's the gift to give so yeah yeah i appreciate that this is written out of that because yeah you you can feel that like it feels different when it's coming from that i mean and it looks again like there's another uh author who released an advent book this uh year as well her name's tish oxenreiter and it's great but it looks like christmas (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. and that and that was like very intentional to be like just let's just like not let's like just not assume we know what christmas is anymore you know yeah. so what you're saying is that tish is stupid uh, that's that's what i heard sh- no she is yeah. better than me okay so <laughs> what's the book that they should get what's her title again i don't have it in front of me so they should get that one instead of yours uh I'm it's really called con- it's it's called um, an honest advent. That's her title as well. No, mine's honest advent. Hers is, uh, it's like movers and shakers. No, it's, um, it's uh, I'm just Move. playing it. I, everybody, mm. I have small children. I, if you asked me what I did yesterday, <laughs> I would need legit a minute to really think. Hey, you're, you're doing great, Scott. You're, you're doing, doing great. You. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Okay, I, you, you. You really saw at the end, that last question got you. <laughs> and um, We should give him one more just so we can go out strong. Okay, Stronger, yeah, here, uh, we'll give you one more. Um, uh, okay. You talk about Christmas. Uh, less birthday party, more memorial? No. No, it's more birthday party. Yeah, more. Memorial. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, memorial happened one time, birthday party. And that memorial's the nostalgia. Right, like we're we're going back. We're thinking about it. Bert- yeah, yeah. Like we have Memorial Day, or we look at you know we'll we'll see these. Well, I don't want to get into military stuff, but you know we'll see these like veterans of this experience, and they'd be like, "Remember when that happened?" And and then the next year it was like, "Remember when that happened?" And, and isn't the birthday next, like? And the birthday party means like it's happening right now. Oh, okay. So it's not like we're celebrating your birthday, which happened. We're celebrating, like, we're going... You right now, though. Like, you asking a kid at church, like, whose birthday is it? Like, it's Jesus' birthday. So it's like, this is the birthday party. Mm-hmm. So where's the birthday boy? That's what we're trying to find. Like, we're trying to go to a birthday party that's actually happening. Yeah. That's not something that happened back then. So, so we yeah. could make our services or our gatherings to be like, where has where has Jesus been popping up in your life, you know, or where have you seen this? And we could talk about a very living Christ now mm-hmm. um, instead of just like, remember back then when they wore robes, they couldn't make pants, you know? Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't make pants. But that is it, like, Emmanuel, God with us. Like, yeah. that's, 
Jesus' name at the end of Matthew, the last thing Jesus says, and I am always with you. Like mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, I'm still Emmanuel. Like, yeah. This has gone on for a while. You should get it right now. I'm, I'm still with you. And yeah. maybe Christmas is that reminder of he's still Emmanuel. He's still with us. Yeah, it could just, yes, I think so. I mean, I think it's going, hey, let's, uh, I mean, I, I would say like the whole calendar year is uh, about that. I mean, the whole calendar, church calendar year is trying to under, see Christ in our midst or yeah. connected to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think where we go, uh, I think what's great about the incarnation story is that we've, we get <laughs> uh, uh, Will Farrow and uh, Talladega Nights, his favorite incarnation of Jesus, which is little baby Jesus, yeah. who he prays to. We get a, we get a Learning week. his shapes and colors. Yeah, we get a, we get a weak, non uh vocal or no language skills nothing no ministry we get a we just get a a very weak Mm. uh incarnation that needs people yeah i think that's what gets me is like like often we can just think of god jesus as just like some kind of like solo act you know just like i don't need anybody i'm just here to overturn everything and save you i'm all by myself but like what we see in incarnating through like how we do is that for a significant amount of time like jesus needs people yeah Mm. and there's one thing where i said i just kind of walked through that jesus needed people and it's like why does it feel so weird to say that jesus needs you (laughs) like why is that i don't answer it i'm just like why does that feel awkward something really big happens too if if you decide that jesus isn't the exception to god but the revelation of god Mm -hmm. yeah like whether it's his forgiving nature or whether it's his yeah. vulnerability, like if, like if to be Christian is to say that Jesus is like what God is like, then it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe God's more vulnerable than we, right? Yeah, like maybe our goal is to like meet God where God's already there in the vulnerability, and we're the ones who are playing strong games. Dude, this is what I've been in my own study and working on. Is that exact? I've been walking through the whole thing, looking at it through vulnerability. <clears throat> it's because it, this started it just going like the vulnerability is the avenue. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I am a Christian because of the resurrection, but I, I'm also a, a Christian a lot because of the shortest verse in the Bible, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is Jesus wept mm-hmm. because a story of a divine incarnation without attending a friend's funeral would be insulated from the human experience mm-hmm. because I've cried at friends funerals. And if it wasn't in the story, I'd be like, it's not true. It's not a good story. It's yeah. not true. It's not real. It's not a hum- it's not a it's not a real story. And I think that's what I see. Like it you have to sometimes get between the lines, but I just am like who <laughs> let's not get into like biblical accuracy, but like it, it it's a true it's a true story. There's a human story in here that I mm. see, and that's what I wanted to get to. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to look up uh, Tish's book's name and I just got lost. But what we're trying Tish to say, Tish Oxenrider, everybody go get it. The thing <laughs> I'm is, sure you can get a double special on Amazon. Here's like, the thing: buy this, buy this. You get it. Her book doesn't have pictures. Ah, it's true. And yours does. It so that's the, that's the deal breaker. So uh, yeah. honest advent, check it out. Uh, thanks for coming on the pod. Yeah, thanks welcome for, to Austin too. Thank you. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, I'm glad you're in Austin now. You can't wait to get on that paddleboard with you for some <laughs> <laughs> butts and bros. <laughs> Or the treadmill together. I'll be the bro. So that's perfect. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. 
you are now adjourned.